from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, hanging out inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, as well as here on Facebook Live, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios at Charney's Menswear and Tuxedos here for you for prom season with tuxedos starting at $99.99 for rentals. Make sure you go to 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York today. No matter what school you're coming from and who you're going with, you don't look any better than when you go to Charney's. So make sure that you head off there today. Inside of Mon Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factories, what's popping? Our trio of guests on today's show. Very pleased to have Dave Paziak on with us in the first hour. You just heard from Von Reed of Syracuse Orange Women's Basketball, an assistant coach there, and, and Dave, the head coach of the NVU Linden Hornets in Vermont. And now we're here with Jason Leone. Jason Leone, the head coach of the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball team who came off a terrific season and are now moving forward into recruiting and already into the next portion of it because Jason is just uh, the man that never sleeps. So even though he's got the young kids and, you know, obviously uh, a husband and has his, you know, family in general and his friends and whatnot, this man is consistently going and, and that's what's helped him to be so successful is his ability to balance all of this so with that being said we bring him into the show someone who I, who I have the utmost respect for and always appreciate and that's Jason Leon Jason how are we doing today hey Dan great to talk to you again and, and Jason how do you do it I mean I guess that's the best place to start is how do you do it how do you find the time to be a dad a husband a friend a son and coach, and you're recruiting, and you know practicing, obviously doing games and whatnot. How do you balance it all? Because you somehow find a way to be successful every single season at Oswego. So how do you do it? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, it just uh, you figure you figure things out. You know, I, I I will say I I give a lot of credit to. Um, you know, to my wife, Amber. So, um, we've got a great relationship and, uh, she, uh, she really runs the show, um, allows me to do what I need to do, uh, for work purposes. And it's certainly not a perfect, um, it's never perfect, uh, with the time I have to spend away from my family and children, but, uh, she, I can't do it without her. She's, uh, in, in most, if not all guys um, or women uh, with their spouses that are involved in this coaching thing, you know, you can't do it without somebody standing by your side. And, you know, one of the, I think the biggest fallacies of marriage is that it's an even proposition. So I, I'm not quite sure that's the case, at least not in my situation. So my wife really has sacrificed a lot to be the wife of a coach. And, um, you know, but we have, we have some great moments sharing uh, this basketball journey. 
when you look at, you know, Amber and, and, and like you said, what, what she does and everything she brings to it, you know, typically on Tuesdays, we do the ingredients to success here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. It's proudly brought to you by Avicoli's, a fantastic place, corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road, great Italian restaurant. They got the pizza side, they got the bar, the restaurant. It's like three places in one right here in Liverpool, New York. Uh, Jason, the ingredients to success for a successful marriage. Before we jump into basketball, I got to ask you this because you talk about, you know, how wonderful Amber is and and how you guys find a way. And, and I got to finally uh, meet her a couple of Syracuse games ago after knowing you for the past few years. And, you know, just just what you could say about what are the ingredients to success for a successful marriage? Because, you have this career that is so demanding. You know, I'm dating somebody right now that has a very demanding career. I have a demanding career, but we prioritize each other. So, I mean, how how do you how do you have it all, so to speak? Because I'm not in the school of thought that you have to pick your career or pick to be in love. I think you can have both, but it takes some ingredients to success. So, what are those ingredients, in your opinion? <laughs> I don't think I have all the answers. Uh... You know, so um, should, we, should, I, should we call Amber? Should we get her on the phone? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you got You better catch her on the right day. I, we're we're far from perfect, and both of us would tell you that. But I think um, I will say this: I don't, I don't want to, you know, be prophetic at all, lecturing anybody. But I, I will say this: we we certainly work really hard to make sure that we have. Um, you know, we spend time together, um, even away from our kids, not that we don't adore our children, but, um, you know, when we, we, we had a unique journey and that we didn't meet until both of us were in our thirties. And, um, you know, I think that it gave us a little bit of perspective, um, about what we really were looking for in a life partner. So, um, you know, one of the things, the deals that we made given my, um, demanding schedule with coaching and, and my wife has an incredibly um, demanding job and she that she's very very successful at um, you know is that we we take one day a week to make sure that we go out uh, together just her and I so um, so that's a really important um, thing that has contributed to uh, to our marriage um, is that we make sure that we have time for one another and Sometimes you get in this grind when your kids are as young as ours are at five and one year old, and you're in the middle of the grind, and it's you kind of you know forget to spend time together, and everything is defined by just you know raising children, which is a wonderful gift. But you know, if I had to pick one thing that I really enjoy that we do is we we really try to make time for with or just her and I once a week um, in the midst of all this child raising and occupational things that we have going on. And, and when you when you look at that, I mean, uh, did you have any advice going into it? Is there anybody that you went to, like you said, you guys met in your 30s and whatnot? Uh, did you have any kind of guru of your life to say, you know, Jason, this is what I would do, or you know, Jason, these are my thoughts, or did you just kind of have to mold it together as you went? Uh, no, I, you know, I think we're we're both are incredibly fortunate that we, um, you know. Her parents and my parents both have, you know, very, um, you know, successful and um, have had fruitful marriages. Um, so, you know, just watching the way our parents and uh, have have raised us and uh, the marriages that they have 
going on to this day, um, I think are just, if nothing else, just to set a great example uh, for us. And um, I also think just the recognition that, um, you know, that, that marriage is, certainly has a ton of um, ups and downs. And, uh, you know, I think, I think taking things in stride and how you handle adversity is, is, is very important. It's, uh, you know, marriage is like any relationship. It takes a lot of work. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, you have to be willing to leave your comfort zone and, and, uh, allow yourself to be vulnerable sometimes. And, um, you know, and just handle all these things that come about that we don't plan for, you know, it can be, you know, adversity sometimes, sometimes good things. Uh, but, you know, being able to roll with the punches, I think is an important thing. Is there such thing as as a perfect life, or, or do you do you make it your own version of, of perfection? I guess is is maybe a, a way to word it. Yeah, I would agree with the latter. I, I think uh, you know, making it your own version of perfect would be the way more the way that I describe it. You know. Yeah, you know, and, and for you, what is it for you? Because I mean, you're, you're driven by coaching. You're a dad. You got your little girls. You got your wife. You have a great family. You're close to her family. You're close to your family. You love the community. You know, so so what what makes your version of perfection? Um, honestly, just just you know, being incredibly fortunate to have um, you know, the family that we do. You know, our immediate family with Amber and myself and the kids, and then. You know, um, my in-laws are just, her family is just terrific. And, you know, and my family that um, is stationed here in Syracuse, aside from, you know, my sister and her husband live in the D.C. area. But um, it's just the total um, package of just what we have going on with family uh, is what makes it perfect to me. Yeah, coming from Jason Leon here this morning, Oswego State Lakers men's basketball head coach. Uh, Jason, you guys had, a, a to, to me, a very successful season, in my opinion, yet it, it is it is so difficult, and, and we talked about it off the air, and, and I want you to, because you live it every day, I, I've had the conversation on the show recently about how difficult it is to get into the NCAA tournament for Division Three men's basketball, just just how much you know. I mean, we talk about well, there's 300 plus teams in Division One men's basketball, and only 68 make it, and you know, you know, eight of them are playing for their lives and this and that, just to get in when they're already supposed to be in. But the Division Three side of things is even more difficult. And so, for those that don't know, to impart some knowledge and wisdom from you being on the inside just how difficult it is to get into the NCAA Division Three men's basketball tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's not to diminish, you know, Division One and Division Two. I mean, it's it's hard to, to get in no matter what level you're at. But just from a numbers perspective was more what I was referring to. It's it's very difficult. Our membership in Division III um, is the largest of the three divisions. Um our tournament is comprised of only 28, 20, I should say 20 at-large bids. So then that leaves 43 automatic bids um, for conference champions. And then there's one, what they call a pool B bid, and that's for the independents, uh, independent schools. So, um, so bottom line, if you don't win your conference tournament, you know, there's 20 bids for, you know, 400 teams. Um, so that's, incredibly challenging and then you factor in 
how many good leagues and teams there are out there. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we fell just short this year, you know, and 19 wins, there's been uh, numerous occasions where teams from our league have finished with the record we do at 19 and eight, and they've gotten into the NCAA tournament, you know? So, you know, it's year by year, the landscape um, changes, the numbers change in terms of, you know, we get compared in terms of how we get ranked within our region. Um, you know, this year we had, you know, three teams from one of the other leagues, New York State, the Liberty League, that all won 20-plus games. Um, you know, and we were kind of a victim of our league's success this year. And what I mean by that is we had five teams in our league that were exceptional this year. And what happens when you have so many good teams, Dan, is, you know, proverbial, we beat up on each other. We incurred too many losses. And coupled with the Liberty League, which had three exceptional teams, and then their league was a little weaker um, from teams five to ten in their league. So they, those really good teams were able to kind of um, gather a lot of wins. And then, you know, it just is, it was a numbers game, and we just fell a little bit short. So, um, But mentioning being a victim of our own success, it's, it's, good, it's a good thing, but, you know, 19 wins uh, is very difficult to do on a 25-game schedule. And, you know, people around our athletic department um, are proud of our team, but it kind of feels like missing the NCAA tournament because it's been uh, so um, common that we've made it. Uh, it does <laughs> – there's a few people walking around here like we had – we did not have a successful season. And uh, I'm happy the benchmark has been raised, but – We've been a victim of our own success a little bit, um, you know. With when we don't make it, it's it's it just kind of doesn't feel right not playing basketball at this time of year. You know, and, and that's the thing. Speaking here with Jason Leon, Oswego State Lakers men's basketball head coach. You know, for for you, like you said, you know, being so successful, and then you're 19 and eight, and you don't make the tournament, and people kind of walking around like. What the heck happened this year? Or almost like you had a bad year, but you didn't have a bad year by any stretch of the imagination. How do you handle that? Because, you know, you can't control if you're going to be an at-large team into the NCAA tournament for Division Three, And, I mean, no at-large team can control it at any level. And, you know, 20 spots, 400 teams, like you said, the odds are stacked against everybody to get into a, a situation like that. So how do you handle it? Do you find yourself like defending the season at all or, or you know, or having to remind people like, hey, we, we did okay. You know, like we were just shy of 20 wins. We had we had single digit losses. Do you find yourself in a mode of, of almost, you know, having to defend it or to remind people what actually happened because of the fact that you didn't make the tournament? I don't know if I use the word defense, but that's a good question, Dan. I mean, I think with our guys, um, being that they're, you know, 18 to 22 years old, it's like, I think it's important to remind them um, both sides of it. Like, I, I, I don't want them to walk out of our locker room the last time during the year um, thinking because we didn't make the NCAAs that we didn't accomplish a lot. Um, so uh, I'm very quick to remind them that I was proud of the effort that they put in this year. And, um, you know, us not making a tournament wasn't because of a lack of effort. Um, and it wasn't because, um, you know, sometimes other teams play well too. You know what I mean? Like it's not something we didn't do. It was more, I thought, 
for instance, one of the things, Dan, was our league, and comparatively speaking, last year we were 24-6, and six and we won our conference regular season and conference tournament championships, made the Sweet 16. But I thought this year our league at the top had much greater depth in terms of the talent level um, of the teams. So um, I didn't feel like our team this year was that far off from what we were last year. Um, but, you know, it, it, because the league was so much better, I thought it, it maybe cost us a chance to sneak into the tournament. I think we needed to get to 21 wins um, to safely be in. If we got to 20, we might have a shot, but I, I think 21 was probably the number. Um, so then I also used that um, as a teaching point for our guys because our program is has consistently been at the level. We've been in the NCAA six, six times in the past decade, which is the most in the region, and I tell the guys how paper thin the margin is. I use it as a teachable moment, you know, and these games at our level that happen in November that are non-conference games, um, you know, where you hear coaches all the time saying, oh, we're, we're going to get better as the year goes along, and I subscribe to that too, but those games end up being crucial uh, when you get to February and March when they make the NCAA selection, so you have to play well the whole year to make it. So, um, so do I defend the season? Yes, to our guys, um, but I also embrace. I think it's important to embrace um, the level of expectations uh, that we have created, which I'm very happy about. Uh, I think that's a uh, a model for um, for everyone to look at. That that we're you know our expectations are have really grown here, in particular in the last decade. Um, and before this last decade, our school had never been to the NCAA tournament. So. Yeah. Um, we're really accomplishing a lot. Um, but I also am very quick to use it as a teaching point that look at like we had a couple of things that I thought we maybe left on the table out there and um, you try to examine things and get better and give it another crack next year, you know? Yeah, and that coming from Jason Leone, head coach of the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball team, for you to, to go through this and to be 19-8, and eight, and, and to end up this season at losing to uh, Brockport in your second game in the SUNYAC uh, championship uh, tournament. For for you, I mean, Jason, like you said, uh, before this decade, it was unheard of for Oswego State to make the NCAA tournament. You've done it numerous times. You've gotten to host portions of the tournament. You've advanced, you know, very far and, and, and on two occasions have advanced to, you know, just a, a very select final few of of this uh, of this nation of of over 400 starts with over 400 schools and you know ending where you've ended up so I mean when you look at all your time at Oswego I know you give a lot of credit to things before you to things that were in place and this that and the other but we're talking about this decade and your point in this decade and what you've done in the you know in this time period that you that you've been there and it's undeniable that you and your staff and the players that you have recruited have created a level, a bar at Oswego State that is a lot higher than what people had expected in the past. What can you say to that and about that and and to uh, maybe give yourself a little bit of credit or at least, you know, I, I know you probably give it all to your staff and, and your players, but, you know, you the Jason Leone era of Oswego State is the era where we believe that we're playing for something in the postseason. So, you know, if you're not going to say anything about it, I'm going to say thank you because you, you should have that. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that, but I, I, I do, whether I was coaching at Oswego or not, I think um, I've always subscribed, Dan, that it's much harder to stay.
stay at the top of the mountain than it is to get there um, because that involves raising and managing expectations. Um, so, you know, I took over this place and there, this was not the, the culture and the expectations were in place. The, the, the resources were, are solid. You know, I wouldn't say they're at the top of the league. I wouldn't say they're at the bottom of the league, but it's enough where we can do some really good things here. So, but I took over a program where I had two All-Americans and the team was coming off the best season in school history and we had an incredible senior class. So the fact that I didn't have to build um, that is a big part of our success. So, and Kevin Broderick and um, Adam Stockwell, my immediate predecessor, deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, what I would say, not about me, but about our players and about the assistance that I have um, have had is that they've put in a tremendous amount of time um, and they've given me a lot of belief in some of the things that I'm not even sure I thought could be accomplished that we have accomplished. Um, and that's the perennial NCAA tournaments. Um, just from a scheduling perspective, um, we're playing a schedule right now in our non-conference that is nowhere close to the teams and the tournaments that we're going to every year. I had a vision for how to elevate this thing. So we were in the conversation to make the NCAA every year. And we've done that, you know, there's only been one year, um, I haven't. So I guess the only, I wouldn't take credit for it, but one thing that I was hoping that maybe I could contribute when I got here was how do we keep this thing at this level for a consistent amount of time? So um, that's taken a lot of hard work for our players and in recruiting my staff and the guys that have chosen to come here. And, um, you know, that's the fact that we've recruited at such a high level. Um, it's, it's really played into this sustained success. But I got to tell you, I'm looking at our league right now and the influx of some younger coaches in the league, and this is not getting any easier, you know. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very, very challenging uh, in our conference to, as I said, stay at the top of the mountain. But, um, you know, we just have been able – Oswego State's a great place. We've been able to attract so many good assistants and – so many good players. That's really the reason why we've done what we've done. Well, and, and, you know, and when you look at that, and obviously credit to your assistants and and to your players and everybody that you brought in, and, and I and credit to you as well. As I had stated before, I was going to get into what you kind of just kind of dove into in the conference, saying it's not getting any easier. You know, the coaches that are coming through here and whatnot. Just what you could say about the SUNYAC, and if you believe that. There is national respect and, and a good, you know, national rapport for this conference with having 400 plus schools in NCAA Division Three men's basketball. Obviously, your conference holding some weight is imperative when you're in a situation like that in 20 at-large bids after all the automatics are done. So do you feel that the SUNYAC has 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 gotten a, a good reputation and, and has it gone up? Have you seen it? excel because staying one of those conferences that can be 
at the top of the mountain or be climbing that mountain and sustain it there is imperative to the future of this conference getting more than one bid in there. So where, where do you see things for the SUNYAC? Well, the nine years that I've been here, we've gotten multiple teams into the tournament, I think six of the nine years. So um, I looked at something on Twitter a couple weeks ago just because I was doing some research for a recruit that we were meeting with to tell you know, to try to enhance his view of our league and how good it is. And I think we ranked fifth in the country out of all the leagues. I think there's 47 leagues or something like that. And we ranked fifth in terms of the amount of multiple bids that we've, the, the amount of bids that we're averaging um, per year um, to the NCAAs. So I think that's one way. But, you know, when you get into this thing of like, ranking the leagues it's it's really you can control the narrative by looking at things a lot of different ways you know um so you can look at just like non-conference scheduling and win-loss percentage you can look at it um through ncaa tournament bids through success in the ncaa tournament back to your original question i think you know the only thing that our league has not crossed off the list is we haven't had a team consistently in the elite eight and we haven't had a team in the final four since the 80s so um you know as much as it pains me to root for brockport and i say this kiddingly because they're a rival of ours you know we'd like to see them carry the torch and and make a run here they're playing the sweet 16 at home a position we were in a couple years ago um against tufts this saturday um they'd be great for our conference to see them advance and win a home game and get to the elite eight uh, and then see what happens. Um, they certainly have that kind of team. Um, you know, I think if you look at, like, the Empire 8, the Liberty League, the SUNYAC, uh, those are the three leagues that are comprised of all New York State teams. You know, those leagues, um, I think the top teams in each of those leagues can play with just about anybody in our region. Uh, but I think the depth of the SUNYAC, um, both in recruiting and in um, just the amount of teams every year that are, you know, ranked in the region. I think I'm partial to it, but I think it makes our league the best league in the state. Um, the last thing I'll tell you is, you know, because of the size of our schools, we have a lot. We have a bigger net that we can cast in recruiting on the SUNYAC. And what I mean by that is, um, we can attract all sorts of students. Um, different types of kids from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, and then the piece that has really helped our league is we have, because of the cost of our schools, a greater opportunity to recruit, you know, higher level transfers. And that's one of the things that I've noticed um, that I felt like maybe we were a, a, a flag holder for is when we have been really good, we've kind of been able to attract uh, especially at, at the four and five positions, some kids from the Division two level um, to come here and play for us in their last year or two um, that have helped take our program to another level. Um, and I, I'm noticing that some other programs in our league are, are kind of going to that model a little bit where the roster is comprised primarily of four-year high school players, and then you filter in you know, two or three transfers here or there that are the right fit institutionally and with the particular programs. And, you know, I think that helps our league, um, you know, to have the depth that it does is the ability to recruit those higher level transfers. 
That coming from Jason Leona, Oswego State Lakers men's basketball head coach. Jason, as always, I appreciate it. I think your team definitely should have gotten a look this year. I know that this season, really from the getty up, was looking good and, and very successful. I know that 19-8 and eight is nothing to slouch about by any stretch of the imagination. I know you're already on the recruiting trail and doing your thing, so you know I, I wish you all the best with that. I know I'll have you back on the show uh, very soon here once once we figure out what's happening with March Madness and whatnot. Uh, you and I can have a good discussion because I know you pay attention to uh, pretty much everything that's going on. So uh, I do want to thank you for your time and and you know I I definitely think that you guys should uh, had something to to be going on here in these next couple weeks. But beyond everything else, you know the things that are out of your control. I know what you can control. You are doing and the way that you recruit and how you go about it goes a long way. So. Thank you for what you've done in our community, and thank you for putting Oswego on the map and, and upstate New York on the map as well. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that, Dan. If I could, I wanted to give a quick shout-out. Um, yeah. A couple of Central New York uh, people here that I wanted to recognize. Um, you know, LeMoyne has had a, a great year um, uh, this year, and it looks like their men's team is going to be have a really good chance to advance to the NCAA tournament for, I believe, the third or fourth year in a row, um, which will be uh, terrific um, for them, a great accomplishment given all the great players they've lost over the last couple of years. Um, and then a fellow Christian Brothers Academy alum, Stefan Thompson, uh, recently got his opportunity to be a first-time head coach this year at Hobart College where he's an alum and was an All-American. And they just recently, um, this past Saturday, um, upset uh, – Springfield College on their home court and uh, are getting an opportunity to go on to the Sweet 16 in the Division Three tournament for the first time in school history. And uh, Steph is a is a friend and um, is a bright young coach, and uh, he's going to be doing some great things there um, at Hobart uh, for their program. Has already done some great things, and um, you know I think it's really important um, being from Central New York that. Um, you know, I'm certainly rooting for those two programs, and that's not to exclude anybody else on the men's or women's side that's had a great year. But uh, those are two people, two programs that I really follow closely, and um, you know, I think they deserve a lot of credit. And I'm, I'm really excited for for the journey that they're they're taking here uh, during March. Absolutely, and 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 you know, and I echo those sentiments as well. I got an opportunity to send a message out to Stefan Thompson and, and speak with him a, a few times here on the show already this season and going into his first season. And uh, Nate Champion and I actually have a special for LeMoyne and uh, the women's side of it with Gina Castelli tomorrow. So you can see those videos. And for those of you listening and watching right now, you got the uh, first crack at knowing that those are coming up tomorrow. So uh, a lot of great stuff with LeMoyne as well as Oswego State and, and Syracuse and OCC for all the work that they've done, Mike Wheeler and Eric Cerrone, and 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 of course, uh, you know, with Hobart and what Stefan Thompson and company are doing, and to the Colgates and the Cornells and the Binghamtons, and on and on and on, and of course, my Marywood, uh, we appreciate everybody that's going out there fighting the good fight. So, Jason, uh, keep doing what you're doing, keep having some fun with it, and please, uh, please give Amber and the girls all my best, and, and I truly hope that the re recruiting trail treats you well, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you, my friend.